And greetings to my friends with a smiling man, Raheel Ramzanali on my right. I don't know how it appears on your computer. And David Nuno here in uh, my fake studio at home. Welcome into the No Layup Show. Uh, we've got some uh, Rockets to get into, some other NBA stuff to get into. I'm sure some uh, random commentary on the on the feed to get into, Raheel. But uh, were you able to enjoy last night's game against Oklahoma City? Because I felt like it was, I don't know, enjoyable but also chaotic. No, it was not enjoyable to me because my whole thing, my preview before the game, I had said if the Rockets get off to a great start, they build up a 15-point lead and shots are falling and everything is good, they'll probably run away with this game, right? Because with a team that relies so much on younger players in Oklahoma City, we've seen younger players fold in big situations in Game 7. Granted, none of that is in front of a crowd, right? Like right now, it's totally different. There's no crowd there's no atmosphere so it's different but we've seen that trend in the nba and i said if oklahoma city it they're within five as we've seen them being the most one of the most clutch teams they're within five with five minutes left they're going to win that game and they had a shot at the end there lou dort was fantastic for the thunder and props to the rookie for showing up in a big game seven and james harden did not look good but he made a big play right I could not enjoy it because I really want to see Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and this Rockets experiment against the Lakers. So the whole time I'm like, man, I really want to see this. I really want to see this. It's way too close for comfort, but they pulled it out. So credit where credit's due. Yeah, look, first off, uh, two things can be this, can be true and be kind of polar opposites of each other. James Harden had a horrendous game. James Harden was the key to the victory, right? Like mm-hmm. that defensive play. People talk about his bad defense, and yes, I would say more often than not, his, his defense is not there. But as Russell Westbrook said last night, you look at some of his efficiency, you look at some of his uh, his steals. Uh, look at that play; they don't win that game without that play. That's um, just a fact. That's where they are. So, uh, look, a lot to be excited about if you're a Rockets fan, and also a lot to be concerned with. Right? Each series is its own narrative, right? You could have a tough series against yeah. one team and then play very well against another team. The Rockets played the Lakers better than. Anybody in the NBA? How does that translate to the NBA playoffs? I guess we'll see here in the next couple of days. Yeah, that, and that's what we're going to talk to uh, our Rockets insider Ali Khan Bajani. He's going to be joining us a little bit later in the show at 1.30. 1.15, We're going to talk a little LA versus Houston smack with our friend Kurt Sandoval, and that's what I want to talk to him about. This NBA is all about matchups. I've talked to so many former players, as of you, about this. It's all about matchups, and one of the big things with the Houston Rockets defense and going small is if you've got guards that can drive and can and compete with you with speed you're going to have issues but they're really good against a bigger team like the Lakers like this is what they're built for I don't know if they win this series but I think it's going to be a seven game series I don't think it's going to be a layup for the Lakers like everyone thinks because the Rockets just mismatch with the Oklahoma City Thunder and this is going to be interesting to see how they counter because we remember when they went officially small ball and the Rockets looked really good against them. Anthony Davis had to guard Russell Westbrook a few times and he's a great defensive player, but it's different guarding a Russell Westbrook. There's so many different things to break down and we'll talk to the Rockets insider Ali Khan a little bit later about it. Hey, a couple things. Those of you, uh, some, some of you catch the show when it pops up on Twitter or on Facebook and you're like, how can I get more of the show, man? And you're going to use that voice too. Uh, you hey, can, man, uh, where's the show, man? Hey, man what? Awesome. Hey, can we talk a little more politics, man? 
Uh, hey, by the way, Douglas, thank you for your comment. He loves the show. He's the one. I appreciate the one fan we have. Ah, you got to give him some props. Roughnecks and everything right there. Mm. Uh, but you can follow us on um, we're, we're on the ABC thread, on YouTube, on the Facebook page, on the Twitter. But also we have a uh, iTunes account as well, right? Yeah, so you can find us anywhere you get your podcast for the audio feed of this. And we put it up right after the show. Just look for No Layups with David Nuno and Raheel Ramsnali. So you can just search for it. It'll come up. You'll see our faces. You'll see our little glamour shots in there. And then subscribe and please share it with your friends so we can grow the show a, a bit more on the audio side as well. All right, so we're getting a lot of props now, and I feel weird reading them. Thank you, uh, Jason. Thank you, Diaz. Uh, appreciate you loving the show. Here's what I want to do with the show, Raheel, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some behind-the-scenes with you on the air. I want to start inviting some of our viewers as a third guest on the show from time to time to get their take. Not too often because some of you guys are crazy. And I don't want you on the air and get me fired. But maybe if we can do like a little, like every once in a while, here's the link, join us. And like maybe it's a huge mistake. But we, we got our buddy Manny, right, who lo- who loves to destroy Daryl Morey, who loves to destroy the Rockets. Uh, and he's got some very good reasons for his belief, right? Uh, and Derek, we appreciate you hanging out with us during your workday. But like he, he thinks everybody needs to go. I know that some people are very down on Daryl Morey uh, because they haven't won a championship. But I do believe – that dude gave you two MVPs on the roster. I mean, that's I mean, that's as good as it gets. But beyond that, we hope to maybe invite some of you guys on the show. But Raheel, can we take a detour? Because we're going to talk to Kurt Sandoval here in a minute from Los Angeles about the Rockets Lakers series. So we will get to to Rockets uh, here again, bro. What's up with you and like these pics on Instagram with <laughs> referee shirts and like lifting up boulders? Like you have your little daughter like taking pictures of you, like like where. My sons are 12 years old. You shouldn't be wearing their shirts uh, on camera. No. But <laughs> I wish you would have told me you were bringing this up so I could have had those pictures ready to put up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, follow me on Instagram at Raheel doing things and you'll find those pictures that David is talking about. Hey, there's nothing wrong with uh, with wearing tight shirts. I'm wearing a tight shirt right now. That's what I do. That's It's not tight. Okay, this is an extra, extra large. I'm just, I just got uh, quarantine gains. For a child. Extra, extra large for a child. All right. You know, when you go to Dillard, you go, oh, there's a kid's check. Let me find my shirt. By the way, I do the exact same thing. Yeah, I know you do. That's what I was going to say. Hold on. You do the exact same thing. True story. Do you want a, a fun true story regarding shopping in the kids section? Sure. So when we first started at 1560 The Game, when we were doing radio and I was making like 10 bucks a day pretty much, right? Like it was it was tough. Okay. And I had college loans. True story, I would shop in the kids section because the shirts were like $8 cheaper and I would buy the biggest size. True story. Smart move. Hey, true story, I forced my children who shouldn't be wearing kids shoes anymore to wear the kids shoes. We went to the outlet malls in San Marcos. They had the Steph Curry, like uh, the kids wanted the Steph Curry shoes. They had like the adult version that was like their foot size, 80 bucks. Kid version, a little more snug, but kind of fit. Half the price, half the price. That's how I roll, right? That you won't find two cheaper guys in the business. And, and by the way, you make fun of me for wearing uh, tight shirts. These are the same shirts I've had since 2005. Right, so it's not like I'm getting an upgrade. So I've maybe put on some weight, and that's why they're tight now. They were huge on me before. That's why. Hey, we got a fan from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Wow. Well, I don't I'm, know why. Okay, I I didn't know we were so big. Uh, big over there. Let's talk about referees real quickly. You you were making fun of yep. me, and you can see my referee picture. That was me when I would referee community basketball games, and I miss that so much. But um, hold let's on. talk about yeah. Hold on, humble brag. 
you could have just said referee, but you had to throw in the community because you yeah. helped out the community because yeah. you love people. Absolutely. You can actually see the story of me helping the people on abc13.com. Just search my name and you'll see it. Uh, one of our former reporters, Juan Beltran, did a story about me. So you can find that story up there. And I, I can link to it here a little bit later as well because I want the people to know. Your the boys people. in the community. <laughs> see, I'm one of the people. I'm with the people. You point it <laughs> as the people. I say us. That's the difference, Raheel. All right, go ahead. Uh, uh, Scott Foster, okay? I, a, a lot was made about going into the game about Scott Foster and the Rockets had lost seven straight uh, elimination games and Chris Paul had lost nine and all those numbers. And it felt like the excuse was already being written for Rockets fans. And we've seen this Rockets organization now do things like this before. I mean, they actually put out a book report after that game seven loss to the Warriors where they went 0 for 27 in the stretch in the second half. They put out a report saying, here's how many points we should have gotten based on these calls and all that. So this comes from the top, okay, where uh, when you have this attitude towards officials. We've seen James Harden publicly criticize Scott Foster before. So there's a history here. I'm not blame the referee guy ever. Like, I understand that's part of sports. And I think most people that played sports understand that, right? But last night, Scott Foster was just bad. And he's been bad in so many games. And again, this isn't me whining, not being a, a Houston fan or Oklahoma City fan, whatever. This is just me saying when you're watching this, you you look at it and you go, man, the officials last night were not good, David. They were not good. In a playoff elimination game, you got to have better standards if you're the NBA. You explained uh, pretty well from your community refereeing uh, background um, <laughs> that the, the, the Chris Paul, James Harden foul, you got to throw in community. Like, just say ref. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I went to the community center to teach and help everybody. Okay. Uh, but you explained that what they called the foul on Chris Paul that ended up being uh, Gallinari's free throw that he missed, mm -hmm. that in your eyes, that shouldn't have been called at all. No, not at all. James has a legit gripe with that one because Chris Paul is literally standing there. And when you're, when you're playing hoops, and, and referees have explained this to me a few times, you can put your hand around somebody as long as you're not impeding their progress or an offensive move, right? Like you can't grab somebody, obviously, that's a foul. But if you and I are just standing there and I just have my hand around you and you're you're just standing like Chris Paul was, that is not a foul. Chris Paul didn't make a move at all. He was just standing there. And it looked like he was waiting to make a move, but he never made that move. So the referee blows the whistle. They get the uh, away, for, uh, away from the ball foul. So that's a free throw and another side out. So that could have been a horrible way to end the game. And we saw the NBA, by the way, with the referees, the Milwaukee and Miami game last night. That one was that ended in a horrible fashion as well. So it's like you can't call those calls and not get reprimanded if you're a referee, right? Players, if you make a huge mistake, you go to the bench. If you and I make a mistake, we get suspended. Referees, there's nothing. There's no there's no oversight that changes their behavior with bad calls. Well, I'm going to make a couple quick points on that, and then we're going to bring on um, Top Guns, Kurt Sandoval, um, who's got the uh, blue blockers on. We're going to bring him on here in a second. Uh, but I will say this. I used to work for the Dallas Mavericks. I felt like every day Mark and the organization complained about the referees. I've lived in Houston most of my life. I feel like we complain about them. I think every city has their legitimate beef mm -hmm. when it comes to refer uh, referee mistakes. 
I would just love to see us complain after a victory. Because I feel like when you complain after a loss, it feels outside of your community. In your community, we all relish together. But outside of your community, you're like, ah, just sour grapes, um, which I've never had. I've never had sour grapes, Real. No. Uh, look, they the referees were not good yesterday. The Rockets won. It's all good. We get Lakers-Rockets, which is exciting. That's the matchup we all wanted. But the refereeing was not good. The refereeing was not good in the end in the Miami and Milwaukee game. The refer- but you can't blame the ref, as you mentioned, when you go 0 for 27 with a lot of wide open looks and maybe you hit four of those, you probably win that game seven and you face LeBron in the finals and probably get swept because Chris Paul's hurt at that point. But still, you like you can't blame the referees for that loss. You know, so it, you're right. Like we still have to bring it up after a win because they just weren't good. They just were not good yeah. yesterday. So, the, yeah, that's the referee thing I wanted to talk to you about. And well, uh, we are bringing it up after a, a win. So yeah. props to us. But I, I just feel like I usually hear it. Not to us, to the community. Yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's um, bring in ABC 7's Kurt Sandoval, Los Angeles affiliate, part of our ABC family. Hey, bro, you ready to take on that plane and, and do a uh, fine boost up there in the air? <laughs> That's right, man. Hey, good to see you guys. Sorry, I'm uh, I, I'm I, I usually don't bust out the Hollywood look, but I'm outside at a practice today. So. Yo, Kurt, you about to enter the danger zone right now? Is that what's happening? <laughs> How about that? Is that bad? No, 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 no. We're teasing you. You can put him back on. You can. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. Uh, so, right, right behind me, there's there's hard knocks. I'm at Rams practice today. Oh, cool. Um. So, yeah, all's good. But I'll tell you what. Uh, I was I enjoyed your last segment about officiating because I live in L.A. and no one complains more than Clipper fans about the officiating. Bro. Um, but I'll tell you what, man, uh, Houston won a game where they didn't play well. And I, I think that's a sign of a good team, quite frankly. Yeah, well, uh, I'll throw this in. Yes, but I think when you are close to a team, you see all the, the positives and you, you make them bigger than they really are. And you see the negatives and you make them worse than they are. The fact that James Harden had such a horrible game yeah, or had a phenomenal game. Chris Paul, other than that last possession, great game. Uh, and you still find a way to win. Uh, yeah, I think you're exactly right there, Kurt. You know, Chris Paul obviously was out here quite a bit with the Clippers. And I, I, I've i never been a huge Chris Paul fan because of his complaining. And at the end of that game, you know, it's the natural tendency to root for the underdog. OKC was clearly the underdog. And I was like, man, I'm kind of bummed that, you know, I, I was at the, I still wanted Houston. Uh, because it's the better matchup. OKC would have no shot at the Lakers. Mm-hmm. I'm very intrigued by, you know, Houston is is exactly the Lakers' nemesis. Kurt, you know, it's funny. You brought up Chris Paul. I want to make this point before we preview the Lakers' Rockets. It's so funny how the narrative on Chris Paul changed. You know, like he was regarded as one of the, like, uh, as one of the chokers, right? Like, remember right. when the Clippers... When they had uh, Lob City going and all that stuff, and they would always choke in the playoffs, they blew an epic lead to the Houston Rockets right. and Josh Smith and Dwight Howard in Game Six, and then they end up losing Game Seven. And the narrative on Chris Paul was he just can't get it done in the big moments. And then he comes to the Houston Rockets and hits, you know, just has a great series against the Warriors for the five games he did play. And now, like the narrative has totally changed. But at the end of the day, you go wait. There's more history suggesting that Chris Paul won't win in a big game than he would. Yeah, and and we all know, and I was, you know, I covered that, and that that game seven, mm-hmm. they had no chance. It, there, it was it was done the second they walked in the door, 
because of the epic choke, you know, earlier in the series. And but Chris Paul, we all know, you know, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal player, but he's on the back nine, you know, maybe the the last hole of his career. And to me, he just I, I don't see it. I mean, unless something significantly changes, boy, they overachieved this year, didn't they? Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's always hurt. He's always hurt. He's always complaining. Um, I'm just not a personally as a fan. I'm too close to it. I just saw him <laughs> complain about everything, you know. So there well, you go. So, Kurt, from the L.A. perspective, if I'm, I'm acting as you, I'm thinking the two biggest teams – that are threats to the Lakers are one in your backyard. They're the Los Angeles Clippers and the Rockets. Do you see it yep. that way? The Rockets being the biggest threat? hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, this is, it's, I don't know if it's David against Goliath, but it's, it's that in terms of the matchups, what Houston does better than anybody is literally the Lakers greatest weakness. I think what the Houston Rockets do better than anybody is literally the Lakers' greatest weakness. They are killer from the outside. So if they're on, Lakers are going to have problems. And the Lakers have been, I think, the most inconsistent team in the bubble. So it's beyond an intriguing matchup. But I will say, you know, James Harden can't have a game like he had last night for Houston to win this thing. And Russell Westbrook is going to be such a huge factor. Look, there's four superstars in this series, and LeBron, Mm -hmm. Anthony Davis, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook averaging, I believe it was 38 points against the Lakers or 35-plus. He has been phenomenal this season against them. There's not many guys that can stop Russell Westbrook, and it really gets amplified against a, a, a big Lakers team. So that's going to be something else to watch out for. Yeah, because Russell played his high school ball out here. Obviously, mm-hmm. he played briefly at UCLA out here. He lives out here in the offseason. He he has so many family and friends. He's always played well against the Lakers, and not just because he's a superstar. You, you were saying right there, look at the stars in this game. And you know me. I'm a Dwight guy. I know Dwight's not the same Dwight, right? I, mm-hmm. I know, but I, I, the, he's still a superstar name. Is there excitement for the NFL? I, I feel like... There's no excitement right now for us in this city. I don't know if you feel that, David, but I wanted to get his perspective. And they're on the Chargers and the Rams are both on Hard Knocks this season. I haven't even watched an episode because I'm just like not in NFL mode yet for whatever reason. You know, it's it's um, mediocre because it's the Lakers and Clippers are going Mm -hmm. Um, for one that, you know, they've got this new five billion with a B dollar stadium that they're opening and. A lot of Rams fans are excited about that. You know, both these teams are on hard knocks. That That's helped a lot. But there's kind of this, oh, man, you, you can't go to that beautiful stadium. I've been there three times. Every time I post on it, it just blows up. But this is a Laker town. This is a Laker town. And, uh, and like we were talking about Russell Westbrook, you know, Russell Westbrook, you know, grew up out here. He grew up out here right by the airport, by LAX and went to Westchester High School, which is a phenomenal high school, and then briefly at UCLA. And I'm telling you, it's not a coincidence. Every time, you know, wherever Westbrook is, and and obviously now with Houston, he plays great against the Lakers. He just, I I know that kid, I love that kid, and he just seems to show his buddies, his friends. He's got that inner drive that, see what you guys missed out on? I I think he's going to have a sensational series. The key with Russ is that he doesn't try to do too much. Yeah. 
Yeah, and Kurt, I want to follow up uh, this Rockets talk, and, and I know we talked about NFL with LeBron's legacy. I, last time we spoke, you talked about you know there, he's got a long way to go to be one of the great Lakers, right? That being right. said, if he wins another championship in Los Angeles, does that change the argument of where he stands in the pantheon, the Jordan, LeBron, Magic, all the guys, or or, or is he kind of cemented no matter what? I think he's cemented no matter what. There's still this feeling that he's a, for lack of a better word, a rented player. He'll, he'll do his four years here. Um, you know, last year was the first time that he didn't even make the playoffs. You know, when they lost that first game to Portland, they're like, he's never lost in the first round. And then he elevated it and took it to a new level. But I, I think LeBron is LeBron. I, I think whether he wins a championship or not, it's not going to change much of his hall of fame legacy um and after the jordan documentary i think that changed a ton of people's opinion that jordan is still the man by and large uh, there's certainly a lebron camp but out here man it's uh he, he's still looked upon as as kind of that rented player because he unlike kobe he wasn't you know part of the system absolutely man kurt i know you're busy uh david you got anything else for powerful kurt sandoval Hey, buddy, we're going to be catching up this weekend as well, right? So I'll be seeing Absolutely. you at some point. Hey, Yo. sorry about the technical yeah. issues, guys, but dig you're good, man. Podcast. Hey, Kurt, ask uh, Sean McVay what he puts in his hair because his the hair product game is so strong. <laughs> and I just need to know, like, what is it? Is it a pomade? Is it more of a matte finish? Because it's just phenomenal all the time. Right. And one of the reporters who just walked by gave him for his birthday a couple years ago some more hair gel. Here's my favorite, my favorite favorite Sean McVay element from this season. Someone asked him about John Johnson, a linebacker. He's He's got this savant memory. And he's like, oh, he goes, he got his first chance to play fourth game of the year against Dallas. Next week he had a, a sack. I mean, he just has this photographic memory. And then 10 minutes later, someone asked him, hey, we learned a lot of things on hard knocks that are important, but one not so important. Why your three clocks? We understand there's a clock in your office of LA and there's a clock of Atlanta, but why Nice, France? And he goes, I have no idea because they redid my office. He goes, I guess that's where I got engaged. I have no idea. That's a hell of a question. <laughs> <laughs> that's John McVay. <laughs> that's awesome, man. <laughs> right? Nice man. We appreciate your time and we'll catch Likewise, up with you guys. next time, brother. Later, okay, Kurt. guys. Talk soon. Thank you so much. There he is. Love Kurt, man. Such a good dude. Yeah, he, he gets our, our, our fake humor at times. Hey, I, I, we're going to talk to Ali Khan here in a moment, but I want to give a quick Steve Nash story because he just took the job with the Brooklyn Nets. How about that? No coaching experience. Now, he was on the Warriors staff, and he was there helping out Kevin Durant and all that stuff, and there's a personal relationship there. But uh, he goes from, you know, helping out to an assistant or from uh, as an assistant and now coaching the Brooklyn Nets, one of the most, you know, controversial teams in my opinion because there was a one of our dudes kenny atkinson got he got there was a coup okay he got overthrown there and he's no longer the coach there so i'm kind of upset about that still but now he gets Kyrie and kevin durant what well hey look i i i love steve i know people hated him doing the soccer commentary i just i just like him he's likable Mm -hmm. uh i worked with him for many years um he uh he was a hall of fame point guard he was one of the most liked players in the locker room. I know that Kurt probably dealt with him with Los Angeles. That experiment did not work out. We'll see how this one works out when you have that much talent kind of together. Uh, but I, I want to tell you a little story about his 30th birthday party. 
please. I want to hear this. It's it, So, full disclosure, he doesn't remember me or the situation, all right? So, for some reason, it, these are either two different nights that combine into one, or it's one big night, okay? But um, when Antoine Walker was traded to the Mavericks, um, I don't know how I ended up going out to dinner. And I think you've heard this part of the story before with Antoine, Dirk, and like seven people from uh, the Mavs staff. And we were at a, a place called Bluefish, a sushi restaurant in Dallas. And like they're ordering sake, they're ordering food, and I'm making like no money. And I'm like sitting here like scared as can be like the bill that they're going to split it up between everybody. And I, if I remember correctly, we ordered a bottle of champagne and people were celebrating. It was Steve Nash's 30th birthday in my mind. I don't know if that happened later. But regardless, Steve was not there. This was the pre-party for it. The bill comes, and uh, Antoine Walker gets it, looks at it. He goes, Dirk's got it, and he hands it to Dirk. Dirk ended up paying the bill. I'm assuming it was very expensive. So then we end up going to a place called Sense, which was like a private club uh, in Dallas. And it was Steve's birthday, and it was his 30th birthday party. And I'm in like the little VIP area just – Looking around, seeing like all the Mavs and all like it was just like and it was Steve's birthday and uh, it was I was at his 30th birthday party. He wouldn't know. I, I actually talked to him about that about two years ago. He was in town for Stu Holden's actually three years ago for the um, after the hurricane. Mm-hmm. Stu Holden had the celebrity soccer match that Steve played in the twins. My sons and I, we went and we did some live shots from there. and We interviewed Steve and I told him that story. He gave me this blank stare like I don't even remember that. And he's like, he's a but. I actually got to hang out with Steve on his 30th birthday party at uh, at Sense. So not a lot of good stuff in that story, but I was there and I was scared I was going to have to pay for stuff. Man, that's the worst feeling is when you're out with really accomplished people. No, I don't, I don't know how to put this. Rich people. Okay, when you're out with really rich people, whether it be NBA players, you know, oil tycoons, whatever, right? And they just, they live a different lifestyle than us two. Like, again, we talked about how I was buying kids' clothes because I couldn't afford normal clothes out of college, right, after college. It's so different. And there's always that moment of, oh, no, am I going to have to chip in on this one because there's definitely no chance. And then there's regret afterwards. When you see Dirk pick it up, you go, man, I should have ordered more stuff. If the rich like, guy was going to pay anyways. <laughs> this has ever happened that you're out to dinner. It's been forever since we've been out to dinner. And like, I, I don't drink, you don't drink. And like people are ordering drinks. I'm like, dude, every beer and every vodka tonic oh. starts adding up. And like, am I going to have to do the equal portion? I think I only uh-uh. paid $7 for the water that I had. I think that's the max amount. But then you, you're kind of part of the ambiance. You're part of the, You kind of feel like you should. That's that's hard thing to deal with. No, I always tell them I didn't order drinks. I'm not paying for drinks, but I'll split everything else. I will not be I will not be adding to your bad behavior. <laughs> well, sometimes or what about that guy who walks away? You're like, yeah, yeah, I'll be right back. And then like you're stuck with the bill. That's oh I, that's a fight. I do that when we go to dinner with my like when I'm out to dinner with my wife and my daughter, I just walk away and make my wife pay. <laughs> you guys don't share an account? <laughs> she, she she puts it on her credit card. <laughs> Smart play. All right, let's let's talk a little bit more rockets. Um Ali Khan Bajani joining us now, Rockets Insider. Como estás, Ali Khan? How you guys doing? What's up? Just nothing much. It was a very exciting game last night. Just kind of getting ready for tomorrow as well. So uh, it's going to be really fun. Man, it, like yeah. A, look sorry, at him. A nine-year-old version of Raheel right now. Same shirt, <laughs> same facial hair. You're like, you're Raheel at thirty. Here's Raheel at twenty. <laughs> no, I've I've known I've known Raheel for a long time. So um, I'll take that as a compliment, I guess. 
Yeah, man, like he is legit my little brother. Like people think he is my like he's like, oh man, your little brother was doing some I'm like, no, he's like he is my little bro, but he's not like my actual brother, you know? People mm -hmm. people are like, Oh yeah, so you, Aziz Ansari, and Ali Khan, you're all related, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, we're not. Oh man. For those of you that don't know Ali Khan, he, uh, he uh, writes for the athletic. Uh, he runs a really popular Twitter account where you're breaking down film. And you've grown that into just great informative content, which I love. Uh, Rockets Insider, you can follow him. And you actually break down the matchups. You actually break down like what's happening on the court, what defensive adjustments the Rockets are going to make, what they have made against Oklahoma City. So it was a big game last night. They made the right adjustments on defense. And, man, they got the stop when they needed it. That was big. But now the Lakers, okay? And we said this earlier in the show. It's all about matchups in the NBA playoffs. And unfortunately, Oklahoma City was a good matchup for the Houston Rockets from the Oklahoma City standpoint. The Lakers are looking at the Rockets like, this isn't an ideal matchup because they do something really well, and that's space you out and get by bigs. And the Lakers have a lot of bigs. That's one of the biggest teams in the playoffs. What have you seen on the matchup side of things between the Lakers and the Rockets so far? No, I, I think that's a really good point you're making. Oklahoma City was so effective against the Rockets because their three best players are three guards, and they're small, and they're quick, and they're able to kind of get past the Rockets' wings. When the Rockets traded for Robert Covington, it wasn't just about kind of opening up the lane for Russell Westbrook to get inside the paint. It was also defensively uh, to be able to, to be able to have the versatility to switch everything, uh, to be able to attack at the point of attack against uh, a guy like LeBron James, a guy against a guy like Kawhi Leonard. It was meant for those wing type of matchups. You have Robert Covington, you have PJ Tucker, you have Jeff Green who's in a serviceable job, you have Daniel House, four guys you can kind of throw at different wings. Um, and when you're facing a, a three guard team like Oklahoma City, that makes it tough on you. Um, and so the Rockets are built towards a team like Los Angeles. That's big. It's going to be a muscle versus muscle matchup. Uh, the reason why the Rockets were so successful against the Warriors in the past was because it was so much skill um, and they were able to kind of use their switching and their physicality to kind of wall off and, and kind of disrupt the rhythm of the ball movement offense of the Warriors. The Lakers are a very interesting team. A lot of pick and roll, a lot of Anthony Davis posts up, a lot of LeBron James posts up, which is funny because the Rockets invite posts up. They want you to be able to kind of go inside and the mathematical advantage comes in there where the Rockets are shooting like 14 to 17 more attempts per three against the Lakers this season. That's going to add up. If the Rockets are hitting their shots, you have the mathematical advantage there and it can, and it can possibly swing the series. Polygon, before the uh, playoffs started, the big talk was that James Harden and the crew and, and really all big superstars are going to be more rested because of that huge break in the middle of the season. But I don't know if that really plays into account anymore with these games every other day, a new series. How do you see the rest fatigue factor? Does it matter at this point? Is that more long term? I, you know, honestly, I think the bubble environment has done a lot of positives. And, and, and what I think by that is, you know, we don't think about it too much um, in terms of from, from a media perspective or even as fans. But the travel in between games is a killer. Um, it really does take a lot out of you. Even during the regular season, you're constantly traveling, even if it's a back to back or every other day that one day of break is really it's really important for your body to get some rest but here in florida you know they're just staying in the same hotel now they have the grand floridian all them to all to themselves it's great for them and it's great for the recovery and so i i do think that playing in a bubble environment like that is very positive it's going to really help them kind of be able to kind of just focus on what they need to do and work on rehab um the best example i can give it's it's a different team but luka Doncic with the mavericks um in that first round series, he had that ankle injury. 
and all it took all it took was a two three two three days for him to receive round the clock treatment, no travel, anything like that, and he was able to play. and And I think that's the best uh, argument for that that they're, they're not traveling, not really having to do anything else but just focus and play basketball. All right, let's talk about the X factors for the Houston Rockets. Uh, we talked about the the four superstars in this series. So you got Russell Westbrook, who just puts up monster numbers against the Lakers, and I don't think they have anybody that can slow him down. Mm -hmm. uh, you got James Harden, you've got LeBron and Anthony Davis, obviously. But let's go through some of the X factors and what it's going to take for the Rockets to win this series. Who do you think is the most important one right now for the Rockets? I, I think you need Eric Gordon to play the way he's doing. He was the best perimeter defender last night. Um, the Rockets made an adjustment, um, especially late in the fourth quarter, by putting Eric Gordon um, on Chris Paul and not having him switch the assignment. Robert Covington was being targeted by Chris Paul. Uh, all those clutch games that we saw in the first round, it was Chris Paul attacking Robert Covington. In game seven, it was Chris Paul having to fight you know, with Eric Gordon kind of fighting over screens. And so Eric Gordon, not only defensively, but offensively, he needs to get his three-point shot going. Last night was probably his second best three-point shooting game of the season. If this is um, something that can continue to be consistent for Eric, huge, huge factor. Um, but for me, honestly, it's going to come down to the wings. I talked about it earlier, but their defense is predicated on stopping, you know, the wing, uh, being able to stop LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And, and the Lakers, you know, in, in the regular season, obviously we can't take too much away from it, but they doubled James and, and they left Russ open. They left the wings open. It's going to be important for Robert Cummington. It's going to be important for Daniel House, Jeff Green, to be able to knock down threes at a respectable clip. 35 to 40%, I think, with their volume of shots is all they're going to need. And if they can get that and play the great defense, they kind of, or more consistent defense from guys like Jeff Green, I guess, it's going to really help them against, uh, against this team. Um, you're going to give up offensive rebounds. Definitely. And, 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 and the Lakers average, I believe, six more rebounds during the regular season in those matchups with the Rockets. But the biggest thing for me is turnovers, you know, and, and limiting second chance points. You can give up all the offensive rebounds you want, but if you're not giving up second chance points and you're creating turnovers mm -hmm. against the Lakers to fuel your pace and your attack, that's huge for the Rockets. And it's going to come down to guys like Robert Covington, who's one of the league leaders in deflection and steals, Jeff Green and Daniel House. Not to put you on the spot, but let's talk about James Harden in big moments. I think mm -hmm. most of the time people remember the big mistakes, right? The San Antonio series, the Golden State series. Uh, last night, if he doesn't make that defensive play, if the Rockets don't win, we don't remember James the Ooh. same way. But how yeah. how is he in clutch moments? Because we remember the big ones, but overall, what what is your take, your opinion on the way we're going to remember James Harden as is? You know – I think people forget a lot, and it's and this league is all about what have you done for me lately, and, and I completely understand that. But when you look at his first four years in Houston, and even if you go to that 2018-2019 playoff series, uh, when they went to the Western Conference Finals, he delivers, and, and he comes through when he needs to. And, and I think, you know, it's it's especially last year and what happened against Golden State and how much of a microscopic view that he gets from the media when it comes to his play, he's going to always get targeted because he hasn't won a championship. And if he can win a championship this year, all that goes away. People forget Dirk Nowitzki faced the same same sense, same level of criticism throughout his career. And as soon as he won that championship and defeated the Miami Heat, look how we celebrate Dirk now. He's an incredible player, and that championship kind of validated that. James Harden is an incredible player. He's a savant. He does a great job. He's a maestro. I mean, you can use all the different adjectives. But until he wins the championship, you're always going to question I mean, kind of ridicule James for what he does. And that's it's up to him. He has the pieces, I believe. I think this Rockets team has a very high ceiling, a higher ceiling than they could have ever had 
before that Clint Capella trade. And if he can, you know, be able to be consistent offensively and, and be able to kind of show up more, the Rockets have a chance and he just has to deliver. Yeah, and it, look, that's why you brought Russell Westbrook in too. Uh, you saw mm -hmm. what he did when it looked like the Rockets were losing all that momentum and they just, it didn't seem right. And James could not get it going offensively. Russell took over. He That dog mentality kicked in. I think he got three easy layups and got that offense growing. Now, both Russell and James were not good on the offensive side towards the last two minutes of the game yesterday. I think James had one layup and that was it. But it, he, Russell kept you in the game, right? And that's why sometimes you need help. It's okay to say that James doesn't have that dog mentality. He doesn't have that, I'm going to put everything out there throughout the entire game, go 100 miles per hour. Sometimes it's okay, and that's why you bring in a guy like Russell Westbrook. That's why you have a guy like Chris Paul next to him who can do that in those stretches, and that paid off yesterday for the Rockets. You know, James Harden is the system, and 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 I, I, you know, I always say that. But you're playing a team in the Los Angeles Lakers now, who through the first five games for them in the playoffs into the first round, they are the best isolation defense in the league. They are also the best pick and roll team in the league. Those are two things that the Rockets will usually go to. This is going to come down to James Harden and how they kind of set him up on offense. Uh, you're going to have, an, they like to go through an alignment. And what I mean by that is they like to purposely put shooters in specific places to kind of give him more space to attack. And it's, they're going to, Coach Antonio is going to make those little adjustments and do whatever he can. It's up to the brilliance of James to deliver for them. And it's the, up to the brilliance of Russell Westbrook to be able to be his companion and do the same. Mm -hmm. I have my theories on why James struggles at the end of games, but I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on what has happened over the years. Um, because he has hit some huge shots that we cannot forget. Yeah. But I, I feel like, I don't want to call them luck shots because he makes those amazing shots all the time. Mm -hmm. But the, uh, you know, that, I mean, <laughs> but he makes a lot of those. Yeah. Um, what, why do you think he is also, though, the Rockets have struggled to hit at the end of playoff games? You know, honestly, that, that, it goes back to what I said. He is a system. And, and I think ultimately you run the offense so much through him that he will get tired. And I think you see that. You see – I mean, I, I go back to I think it was game five or game six. And it was coming down the stretch of it. And James was giving up the ball to Eric Gordon or Russell Westbrook. And it's not – I don't think it's because he doesn't have the dark mentality. I just think he's, do, he's doing so much for their offense to get them going, to be able to be, you know – to get those hockey assists. And what I mean by that is for those listening, a hockey assist is instead of you're the person who makes the assist, you're the person who helps the, the next person make the assist. Mm -hmm. He's doing all those different things for his team. And I think he does get tired. He consistently works on his conditioning. And, and I've seen that over the, over the off season, but I, I, I just think, you know, I, I do honestly think it's because he does get tired or so, and, and it's going to come down to can Russ be able to put forth a, a, I wouldn't say consistent, but an efficient offensive performance to be able to help him. And he did that yesterday in game seven. Russ was really, really incredible. And so if they can play together, they can play efficient. I think James won't have to worry too much in the terms of final minutes because he can knock down those shots because he won't be as worn down. Um, I hope and, so. That's so big, man. And, and that's a frustration. It's like we always hear that James is tired after the San Antonio mm -hmm. series, right? Uh, yeah. James is tired after this series. We always hear that. And then you go back to the quote, like, I'm a baller. I never take days off. Okay, well, that's fine. If you're going to say that and you're going to pump mm -hmm. that up, you can't also say I'm tired at the end of the year. You yeah. can't say, you know, and then if you're a coach, you're Mike D'Antoni. You've got you've to gotta deploy a system that doesn't make him tired all the time. You know, like that's the frustration when you're from the outside in. I'm like, man, I get it. I get it. You get tired. Like, yes, it's it's hard what you're doing. 
But then maybe as a franchise, you go, hey, we need to step in here and maybe we take some of this workload off of him. And if we can't win that way, then we need to rebuild the team and hold else uh, hold somebody else accountable. He's he's I think uh, either he's about to be 31 or he is 31 right now. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's going towards, um, you know, the latter half of his career. We're yeah. very close to the end of his career. And it's time for the. You know, I mean, you know, you have a few months here before the next season starts after the season. Who knows what's going to happen? But I think it's it's time to start thinking about what you need to do. You're all in. Clearly, you're all in. Um, but you have to start thinking about, you know, once this you know chapter of Rockets basketball ends, how are you going to surround uh, James uh, with the right pieces to help him flourish as he continues to go towards the end of his career? Last thing for me, Ali Khan, uh, outside of an NBA championship for Mike D'Antoni, is there any way he's back next year? I, I think they need to make the finals, <sighs> at Man. least. I, I, will, I will say this. You know, I've talked to so many of the Rockets players individually about what Coach D'Antoni means to them, and I've never heard anything bad. Um, he instills so much confidence in those players you talk to free agents, random free agents don't pick up to bring in through training camp invites. They all say, Coach D'Antoni talked to me over the phone and he won me over because he gave me the confidence that if I come in, I just shoot, I just play hard, play my role, and I'll be successful. You've seen that. They had James Ennis last year. They had Ben McLemore this year. They've had all these guys who just come in, play a role because Coach D'Antoni maximizes their strengths and they're successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Coach D'Antoni is the perfect coach for this team. Um, who knows what's going to happen? It's not really up to any of us to, you know, look at what's going on from an outside perspective. But y- you know, I, I, I just like to answer your question, David. I don't know if he doesn't, you know, at least make the NBA Finals. I don't know what's going to happen next year. Um, right. yeah, it doesn't seem like you know he may come back. What's your prediction for the series? I think the Rock. You know, there's a lot of people who are just kind of dismissing the Rockets. I think the Rockets have a legitimate chance to win the series. Same. That being said, I think Lakers in seven. I think this is going to be a tough series. Rahil, you talked about it a little bit earlier. It's going to go a long series. Um, If the Rockets can go towards a high ceiling like I talked about, they have a very high ceiling with this team and the variance that exists, they can win. Uh, But ultimately, I think it comes down to LeBron and Anthony Davis just kind of overwhelming them. And it's going to be a a very good chess match, and I'm excited to kind of get started on Friday. Yeah. We appreciate you, Ali Khan. Thanks so much for joining us, man. We'll do it again. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Thanks, hey, buddy. next time, let me know to wear the salmon shirt, okay? I'll do it, too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> salmon Thursday. Come on, Nuno. You know that. Raheel, I'm going to say something that I, everyone knows to be true, but you're not supposed to admit. Okay. I think when people are nice to you, you give them the benefit of the doubt overall. And I'm meaning this as a reporter. I'm not a newspaper reporter, okay? Uh, I'm a TV guy from Houston that has a rooting interest in our team for several reasons. It makes for good content. It makes my our, our viewers energized. There's there's reasons behind it. But I like Mike D'Antoni. So I root for Mike D'Antoni to win. All right? Um, I liked Dirk. So I wanted Dirk to win when I worked in Dallas. Same with Steve Nash. These names. A.J. Hinch. I liked A.J. Uh, you don't have to be likable for me to root for you, right? Like, you could be unlikable. But if you win, like Greg Popovich, some people think he's very likable. I find him not to be so likable. But he's a winner. So, you know, but... But I, I, when it goes back to Mike D'Antoni, if you take away the respect you have for the way somebody is overall, he is still a Hall of Fame caliber coach. What he has been able to do to people's careers and franchises, yeah, he hasn't won an NBA championship. Who knows if he ever will? Uh, but I think that guy is their best option. Now, I do understand some of the, the hiccups people have, the defense. Uh, I, I, just, I just do believe that sometimes 
certain coaches change the system up so well that you you like James I've told you this on the show before James Harden has always been an all-star since he's been in Houston like an amazing player and an MVP cuss player before Mike D'Antoni got here but Mike D'Antoni became put him as a legend made him a legend as he did with yep. Steve Nash as he didn't make uh, Jeremy Lin a, a legend but he did put him in a different stratosphere that's what he does he mixes it up so well same thing he did with Amari Stoudemire he knows how to change people's futures yeah, he's really good at that. The offensive system that he has, you know, it started with the seven seconds or less suns, and it's not like that anymore. Now it's more of an ISO and uh, react off of the dribble system, which it, which if you're a basketball player, you love playing in that if you have the ball, right? It, you, there's some nights where P.J. Tucker only touches the ball five times. I don't know how much fun he has when he's grinding on defense and he only gets five shots, right? So it depends who you are, but I agree with you. His system brings out the best in a lot of people because those people get to hold the ball and and the system goes through them they have more touches and you shoot a lot of three so I totally understand that but for me it's after so many years and you haven't gotten it done right like rest in peace to the legend Jerry Sloan but that's who you are right like you're not a championship coach you got there but you never became a championship coach and it's unfair to hold somebody to those standards, but that's why you play sports is you want championships and that's it, right? Nick Nurse got it done and Nick Nurse was a, a G League coach, right? His system worked and it worked out. He also had Kawhi Leonard, so I get it. But you have James Harden, who the franchise calls, you know, Daryl Morey's called him a greater offensive weapon than, uh, weapon than Michael Jordan. So to me, it's like, just get it done. There's enough evidence that I don't think he's going to get it done. And I might be wrong and I hope I'm wrong, but the evidence and the numbers suggest that he probably won't get it done. So let's try something else. No knock on the guy. Let's try something else. I think that's fair. You brought up a moment ago that you don't feel the hype of uh, the NFL here in town. And I'm going to give you my take on, on why. I think COVID uh, and not having accessibility to a training camp like we have in years past, fans going to practice, preseason games, um, I think that is a huge part of it. But the, the bigger part is most people believe same old Texans. The last time we saw the Texans at halftime, they were up huge, right? Well, no, no, excuse me. They weren't up huge. It was no, they were down. <laughs> they were up huge. Sorry. Kansas City already made their comeback. Uh, but it's the same old Texans. And who are they going to play on Thursday night? The freaking Chiefs, the team that embarrassed you, the Super Bowl champions. Uh, so the, I, I think that's a lot of it. If the Texans do win that game, I do, I do mm. think the NFL is is – yeah, I do. If, if why the they beat them last year in the playoff in the regular season, I, I think it just it's because just like James Harden every year, you know, the Rockets start off, you know, twenty and two. <laughs> oh, this is our year. It's that same reason we beat the freaking Chiefs, bro. Thursday night football. Why do I give this voice to people? I don't know. It's like that's your default voice. Like, yeah, we got him, bro. <laughs> it's a good voice, though. I'm, I'm sure using no. it on the air. I, I do agree. Like not having preseason games, not having access to practice. I can't tell you any storylines from practice because I'm not there. You know, I'm like, I'm not allowed in there, right? I have to take somebody's word for it. Um, and I can't watch, like, the footage you see is from the team, so it's different. But even preseason games, at least you see it on your TV. You get hyped up and you're ready. You're like, okay, Look I'm a week away. Yeah. yeah. And even college football. Like, th we're supposed to have college football this weekend, right? And there might be some games on. I don't know. My Longhorns don't start till the 12th. So HBU, baby. HBU's playing. You're right. You had the story. Um, so even that, like, you're not in that mood yet, right? So we'll see. You know, I think once a game starts, then we'll get excited about it. But right now... Man, I have zero excitement for the NFL. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm excited because I think people want football, right? Mm-hmm. And a Thursday night game. But are they going to play that game, though? I guess that's the mm-hmm. other question. Look, Texas, you know, yesterday with that video where they're going to do more for the community and whatnot. Um, there's social issues. I, I, it was a great video. If you didn't see it, they posted it. Uh, but that, I mean, if you're going to sit out a game, the that's only game. Look, it, if you're the NFL, you have to have a backup plan. All right. So they could sit out Thursday, but we could pencil them in Sunday night. So that yeah. way they get the little. Yeah, what is the backup plan if the Chiefs and the Texans say, hey, we're protesting and we're going to sit out and strike this game? What does the NFL do on primetime season opener? I don't think they will. I, th- I, I think there's a 0% chance. But, man, it would be wild to see what would happen. I don't want to see it. Um, no. I, I, I just I, – look, I know most people who get on this – just want to see sports and not mm-hmm. have the political takes and whatnot. Uh, I, I, I just, I've enjoyed these NBA playoffs. They haven't been the same for me, but I've enjoyed the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed seeing the Astros play well again. Uh, it's just nice to have something to, to as close to normalcy as we're going to get at this point in our lives. And uh, I'd, I'd like to see some real football, but I understand that people, they have the platform that they, they could use. And yes. And I think Douglas hits it right off the top. I think a lot of people in Houston are just done with Bill O'Brien. Now, if he wins, does that change the entire narrative? Yep. Like, absolutely, right? If he wins a Super Bowl, it, and then you go back and go, man, this guy won how many division titles? And, you know, they just ran into some buzz saws and all that. Yeah, a, a championship changes everything across every sport, across every position, player or coach. A championship changes everything. For crying out loud, Ty Lu will still get a job. And I don't think yeah. he's that good of a coach. I don't think he was, but he's still going to get a job because of the comeback and LeBron beating the Warriors. So... The well, championships do do change everything. I, I'll tell you this, man. Um, I think most people are done with Bill as the coach, and sometimes it's the GM. But I was talking to a, a former player who who brought up, you know, obviously the the dumb. I think the, the the Hopkins trade was not the the best trade. People still make fun of it. But some of Bill's moves a year later, when you look back at the GM moves, turned out to work. Clowney turned out to be a very good deal at the time. We thought, what are you doing? You're giving Clowney for nothing. Right. And those players became real players. Uh, and it allows you to get Laramie Tunsil. Uh, I don't see how the Hopkins move works. Well, what if the Texans make a run to the AFC championship game further than they've ever been? And David Johnson's actually very good. And yeah, do you, you give him props. Differently? You, yeah, you give him props. But then you also look at, wait, how much did you pay Laramie Tunsil? Was there no negotiation? Because even Laramie Tunsil was like, this was the best because I didn't have to do anything. Like they, it, the team gave me exactly what I wanted. How much did you play Zach Cunningham? Wait, what? How much did you pay this guy, that guy? Like, it just gets out of hand. You go, you could find better value. So that's just more like building a team. But you're right. We'll see, man. If he makes a run, if they make a run, again, the Texans make a run to the AFC title game or to the Super Bowl, all of this will be forgiven, in my opinion. Yeah, but I think that's a long, long, that's a long, 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 <laughs> long, like, I mean, it's, it's way down the road. Easy. We're going to do a show this weekend when we still don't know TBD. Mm-hmm. I've got some stuff going on in the pipeline, but uh, look forward to catching up with you more, and we'll see uh, how the Rockets handle the Lakers tomorrow. All right, man. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. That was kind of an awkward ending. I know well, it was. I don't know. I don't know what to say there. That was. Hey, tell them to smash the like button. The, the smash the like. Make sure you subscribe. No layups on all. Follow your us podcasts. on uh, yeah. on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Tell your friends about it and, and post it on your page. And that? make sure you hug a loved one today. <laughs>